1: John Copenhaver and, and Al Warren. Third one, KDKA. Riverside FM, Los Angeles. One hundred
0: two point three FM, Riverside,
2: and one hundred
0: five oh AM, Palm Springs. Welcome back into the house of mystery. I'm Al Warren, Mister Dollar Store Dave.
1: Can see the front for me.
0: Yeah, this is a much, much nicer, uh, flavor than the rose. Yeah. Yeah. That that is better than rose. Yeah. So that was for Dave. Certainly too bad. They only have like DVDs and Blu-rays every like few months. So yeah. Well, you've got to do something with your life. So yeah, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) Well, uh Well, you always keep myself out of trouble. Do you see? I was reading just before we came on about that Australian woman where they found that worm in her brain. Hey. I just thought more about that, Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. And uh I heard I hear that she got it from something she ate. Oh. Yeah. So you got At The dollar store? Yeah. She (laughs) dollar store. (laughs) Well, today we've got a couple of writers with us. Um, we're gonna be talking about their newest book and about the writing process. The newest book is called The Killer Enigma. Magnolia Bluff Crime Chronicles book sixteen. So let's welcome to the show the authors of that. First, we've got Charles Brakefield. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate it. And Rox Berkey. So thank you for being here.
2: Thank you for letting us be here. We appreciate it.
0: Well, guys, you know, the, the, I always say when we get um, people that are writing together, first off, or how it came across where you've decided well this person's cool i want to write with them like where where does that all start and i'll start with rocks
2: well to be honest with you it actually starts from professional careers we ended up in the same company and uh, we got tagged specifically to start writing technical contributions into manuals for the products that we were selling and so we found that we could work really well together in doing that and uh, optimize both of our strengths in, in the final product. And, you know, our, our our leaders liked that a lot. So we ended up doing a lot of workshops for customers together that, that really helped, I guess, solidify each of our voices. That's how it started.
0: Yeah. And, Charles, what, what's your story?
1: Well, um, I was hitchhiking. Hitchhiking one day, and she picked me up. Um, and okay. what? <laughs> <laughs> we all start somewhere. Yeah. And uh, she said, we need somebody to uh, fill this role at my uh, my company. Uh, how good are you at uh, network uh, connectivity? And I went, pretty good, actually. Um, so uh, we got to uh, uh, to doing that, and then that uh, took us to the next destination. And um, uh, she, she actually knocked on the door one day and she said, hey, look, look at this. I have got the swell gig. Um, they want us to write uh, some tech manuals. And so we played at that for two books worth. And, uh, uh, I don't know how well you know the tech industry. As soon as you print something, it's out of date. Technology evolves uh, so that in such a way that uh, every 18 months, whatever you work on is is obsolete or, you know, being sundown or being displaced by something else. So I was a a little bit miffed. That's probably the play word put it. And I stomped off and she said, came back at me in three months and said, uh, I've got this idea. By the way, those are the four most terrifying words in her language, in her vocabulary. I have an idea. Anyway, she says, take a look at this. We'll do fiction, but we'll keep the technology, the technical facts in background mode. How about that? And then that kind of led us to uh, down the road for the, the Enigma series. And then that got us into the uh, uh, some other genres, including the uh, Magnolia Bluff Crime Chronicles. And that's... You know, it, it's sort of a, an evolution, um, and it's it never a lightning bolt one moment and haha, let's go do this. It's, uh, you know, you know, small steps and a, a fun journey. Uh, I enjoy working with her.
0: Well, well, Charles, I was going to say that, um, technical books that you're writing compared to what you do now, it's, it's quite different. I mean, there's a structure to it and then there's a discipline, of course, of getting a, a book written or a novel or anything like that. But there's a different feel to that. Like, uh, how how did you know you had the feel for doing something like, uh, you know, a fictional book of any type? It's it's like the uh,
1: the journey of a thousand miles. Things with the first step. You go out and try it. We take a look at the uh, you scan the horizon. You look at the uh, the people that uh, that are doing it and and quite successful at it. Um, You get some ideas. You um, you go to writer conferences. You know, you got, uh, you got to hang out with uh, other people that, uh, that write in that particular genre and, and and just sit there and chat. And then so that kind of gives you the, uh, uh the background framework, uh, of, the, uh, of, the, of the, of the, of the, topic that you want to be able to capture. And so, um, but it's, uh, it's still storytelling, whether it's technical, you know, a lot of heavy tech facts or if it's a lot of, uh, um, who did it? Uh, kind of things, or some of the short stories that uh, you know. We uh, it takes practice, and that's what we like to do is to practice in these uh, these uh, genres, and um, it, it's been a bit of fun exercise. I wouldn't say I'm, we're perfect at it, but I would say that uh, um, the reviews we're beginning
0: clearly indicate that we're. Um, we're doing something right. So rocks now, obviously you're the boss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how did, how does it come to you? Um, is it the story first? Is it the character? Is it the setting? Um, so when you, when you initiate a story or an idea, how does it be- begin?
2: I think for us, it begins usually with some level of a technical threat, even in our cozy mysteries for like the killer enigma. There is some kind of a technical thread that goes through it because that's where we have our most, our best experience, I guess it would be. So, you know, we take an idea of what we want the threat to go to and who it might hurt and how that might happen. And then weave around the story of, okay, can we get there this way or that way? And then the characters that will help make that story Form the best, so we we kind of have a you know kind of a, a mixed way that we we work on stories. So we have discussions about about the problem, and then we have discussions about what kind of story, as far as whether it's going to be a thriller or whether it's going to be a, a mystery, and then and then when we talk about the characters. So we we oh I don't know in the one we're we're working on for right now, it's it's specifically. How many threads are the story going to have? How long is, um, you know, how are they going to lead to one another? And and what what will it solve or not solve? And if it doesn't solve something well, then we throw it away and start over again. But everything is tracked. I know it's going to sound really strange, but we track it all on the spreadsheet. Yeah. Just so that, you know, it's easy to follow.
0: Would you develop a character, so you've kind of got an idea of a, some technical idea of a threat. As you said. And then and then you start to develop characters to let's say deal with this threat in whatever way. So it's a general thought. Um, so when you're developing these characters, how do you have you ever had a character that you you've liked and, and maybe Charles didn't like or maybe he liked and you didn't like? Like what how does how do you guys work out which characters are gonna go forward?
2: Yeah, that's a really great question. The characters that go forward are the ones that have some redeeming quality to them, even if they're bad guys, are they worth having again? Because they were so deliciously bad that everybody likes them, um, are they worth bringing forward? Because they're nice people, they seem to do a nice thing. So, in the in the Magnolia Bluff Crime Chronicles, for us, um, the two main characters are are good guy kind of characters, and and they do have different attributes that they bring forward. So. Have we ever had one that really didn't like? Yes, we actually have, and I think we played rock paper scissors three times to get rid of that character. Is that right, Charles? Is that how we
0: did that one?
1: Yeah, you might as well know that uh, whenever we have uh, agreement to disagree, which um, always comes down to the uh, the the challenge of the rock paper scissors, and whoever wins the most times, um, their uh, their will is, is what uh, we go with. Um, I, in full disclosure, I have never won rock, paper, scissors against Roxanne. <laughs> it's rigged. <laughs> I don't know how she's doing it, but I, I, there it is. I just, uh, I, I want to go on record as, as having groused about, uh, never being able to, to invest her at, uh, rock, paper, scissors.
2: We do have some kind of lively discussions for things that we do or do not want in a story. Uh, and, and I think overall it, it equals out. Um, there are, there are points that may come up. Because we trade chapters back and forth. But we also have, you know, you have things that happen when you're a writer sometimes. Either the characters talk to you, which happens to us, or you dream about something. And I know that Charles has created chapters in the middle of where our thought has been. It's a really good chapter. But it keeps moving down toward the end of the book because we haven't gotten there yet. So, you know, we're pretty flexible, actually.
0: Well, you say you can can hear your characters. And I I was just wondering, since you You both are writing, and you're both passing these chapters back and forth um, how How do you kind of sync up the character voices for for each um, over over uh with, with both of you doing these these same characters Well it, it
1: basically it, it we're leveraging our uh, our patent pending technique of literary ping pong <laughs> um, it, uh, it it's batting the chapters back and forth until they get a nice a uh, nice shine to them, uh, highly polished. Um, so that you can't tell uh, who wrote it even our editor will, will, will march in and say who wrote this and I go yeah um, uh, it, it so um, there's that that's just a, a professional thing that we've uh, we do for our books so that it's not a distraction for the for the reader the reader has got to be able to say it sounded like one voice writing it and that's the, that's the overall challenge that means that the the story threads have got to be polished to sound like one Um the uh, the characters we have to have a uh, you know uh, agreement that the uh, this is the way the character will go for these particular reasons we have other attack vectors or other um, junctures uh, that we want to take them through so here's all the stuff that uh, we need to make sure our we're in agreement and that the story flows it doesn't have a um, an abrupt, any abruptness to it other than you know. I was expecting that um, those are those are most gratifying from the reviewers
2: I think the other thing to your point David and how, how we do that is we have an advantage because we write as co-authors and and so Charles can look at something that I've written and say there's no guy on the planet that would ever say this the way you just said that dialogue it's just not going to happen and conversely I will do exactly the same thing and so I think I think that helps us just a small little
0: Add on there no you guys are you're not a couple and you don't live in the same household so you're not living together and all that stuff so how, what's your process is writing as co-authors like that do you, does one person write something and then send it to the other and then the other person writes on top of it or do you guys each write separate characters and then put them together uh, let's start with rocks
2: so it's a good question so we do write separate chapters initially. When we kind of um, scope out where we want the story to go, um, and the threads that we want to include, we probably scope at a really high level. You know, at, at ten, maybe twelve chapters of who's going to be in this chapter and what what's the point of this this particular chapter. And we we actually you know say okay, I'm going to take chapters one, five, seven, eight nine and you can have the rest of them or however that that breaks up and we assign them and we do the first pass on the ones we signed up for and then um as as charles indicated we bat them back and forth um even even after that point and then and then they kind of come through a smoothing thing before they go to the editor to make sure it does sound like one voice but no we tend to write a chapter um if if both of us decide the chapter's good but it's in the wrong spot it could move around in the book like because it's all electronic, it's all electronic documents. Cut and paste works really well for us.
1: And Charles, what about you? I like the uh, the the ability to be able to uh, I'll I'll say do some pioneering work uh, on some of the chapters. Here's an idea. We try it out, um, and of course, that's that's you know where you you know that, that that old gag about the difference between pioneers and farmers is that pioneers are the ones with the arrows in the back. So uh, if the uh, if the chapter doesn't work, why not? And it's it becomes a you know not a you know it's good it, it should be there it's like well why doesn't it fit let's explore that uh, that that logic that reasoning before we say okay let's move it down or uh, maybe it, it was taking the uh, it was taking too long to develop or it's it's. Um, it's dragging the, the story down or we've introduced some characters like, gee, Charles, you know, we don't need, you know, 150 people in this book. Uh, you know, eight will do. So let's uh, let's kind of, you know, narrow it down. So um, a lot of that is um, the flying by the seat of your pants with what it looks like. But it's actually controlled chaos uh, from our point of view. Well, that's
0: fun. Um, have you ever had an idea or started putting together a story? And then part way into it you know whether it's a couple of months or whatever however many chapters and you just realize that this isn't working I don't like this this isn't happening and if so what do you do with it and let's start with Charles
1: um we've had a couple like that um they'll they'll go into in the uh, electronic drawer so to speak until such time that okay let's take a look at this one. and where did where do we go off the rails where is the problem with this? And maybe it was the, you know, um, it wasn't the character development. It's uh, we had a character take a left turn, on, we didn't notice it. Um, so those are, you know, some of the things that uh, um, will bring it back. Um, it's not uncommon for us to go ahead and sculpt out a story. We just did one for that we're going to do for the next uh, installment in the, the Magnolia Bluff series. Here's the outline. And I'll put it in there. Say, okay, fine, we'll look at it next year. But it captures an idea that we had. Uh, we we're going to a, a, a book show, and we're we're great about doing that. You know, for you drive two hours and you get uh, two hours worth of talk time on a story thread. Um, and we may not get to it for six months, but um, it does uh, it does keep the uh, the inventory uh, uh, top of mind. But have we ever had something like we're never going to do this one? I don't believe we've gotten that. We've had some. that were that were we stubbed our toe on it. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no toys about it. Do we retrieve it? Yeah. Yeah, we did.
0: And and rocks. What's your thought?
2: Um, I agree a hundred percent with what he said. We have stubbed, stubbed our toes. We have parked parked work for at least six months. And and um, you know, usually. That's because I'm stubborn and something didn't sit right with me, and maybe I can't articulate it right, and Charles is being very kind about it. But until we can align on the character, and sometimes it's just the time. Sometimes the, the, um, the elements that we're pulling into here is, is, you know, maybe it's partly because of some social unrest that's going on that the subject matter we chose is just not going to fit right now. It's, it's just, it needs to wait or we need to take a little bit different direction on this character or that character. I mean, I have one that we actually put into a short story that I have these grandiose dreams of bringing into a novel. But, you know, it's been sitting now for about nine months, and we've got other projects going on, so it can sit for a while longer as long as I have it backed up.
0: So you have to be kind of conscious of what's going on in the world or around and and think about whether or not you want to include it in your stories,
2: sometimes that's really the case. It, 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 you know, when you have heroes and villains, they can't be typecast this year the same way as they were typecast, let's say, ten years ago, because the dynamics, the dynamics have changed. People's opinions have changed, and um, tolerance, I think, has has shifted a couple of times and though we like to say we'd always like to write everything just the way we want it to be. We also like to have readers that are happy with our storytelling get thrilled when they when they learn that the four right turns that are in the Enigma Killer are actually perfectly timed and very much surprising. But but you know, you just you have people and that's a very you know, it's a it's a it's a part I think we just have to be mindful of.
0: Right, right. So now this is book sixteen of seventeen. So you're writing this is a series. Now, how do you keep a series like that fresh, and how do you keep it going with your main characters and the main theme and stuff without it um, growing tired? Do you know what I, you know what I'm saying?
2: I I do. But Magnolia Bluff is a very unique series, and we probably should have should have shared that with you a little bit. So a couple of years ago, we got involved with about nine other authors, maybe ten, that decided we wanted to write cozy mystery series. We wanted to have a chance to contribute to that series. And so in the Magnolia Bluff Crime Chronicles, which is now in season two, each author, and we're counted as one author in that, in that routine, um, each author writes about something that happens in Magnolia Bluff. Now, Magnolia Bluff is this wonderful, quaint, idyllic out town in the hill countries of Texas where the hills are rolling, the wine is flowing, and, you know, you have small-town activities, and everybody knows everybody's business. And in this particular series, the very best marketplace that we have, the people that are making the most money in this area, is the corner um, and the grape diggers. Because everybody's dying to get in here, so we actually have only written two of the books for the Magnolia Bluff Crime Chronicles. So, Charles, I know you want to add into here because you're just—I
1: can tell. And so that's uh, so the branding and the uh, the Magnolia Bluff theme. Um, even some of the characters um, we swap them around. Um, you know, we have the uh, look and feel of all the other books from the uh, from the cover side and the interior, but the. Uh, uh, the characters are uh, shared, um, you know, and the rule is don't whack somebody's uh, prime character because that's, uh, that's naughty. Um, and um, some of the themes, some of the uh, um, peculiarities, uh, the uh, character flaws, shall we say, um, or the personality disorders uh, in some of the characters that we borrow or we lend to somebody else, um, the characters and the stories are, um, from a certain point of view, from that author – but uh, a lot of shared attributes, you know, where, where the uh, the coffee shops are, the uh, the donut places, um, the uh, bed and breakfast that uh, that uh, that we have in there, we we all um, we all agree on certain things that we contribute to the series, and then other people leverage them, borrow them, um, uh, and you know, and what we do is we'll uh, we'll send some of the uh, here's a snippet of this character description, um, some of their attributes and uh, their attitudes. Uh, to, another char- to another author that they're going to use in their book. And so it's uh, uh, very much a um, federation of, of authors with a uh, here's a single place that we can we can focus on, but with different characters, different story threads and different um, story, uh, story lines so that they're, each one is a, is a standalone book. They each you know they don't have any dependencies as I you know, I don't have to have, you don't have to read them in order. you read them out of order. Unless um, of course uh, somebody takes a wax a character of, of theirs before you know you uh, you get to them, so that's uh, that that may be a bit of a problem. But that's uh, that's what that's what's going on. Um, so that's why you know um, we're not necessarily tied to the uh, the Magnolia Bluff um, theme. And um, are we going to get stale? No, because we're not writing all the books. That's uh, that where we're working with a lot of people who. Um, They write um, in a lot of different genres, and we all collaborate in this one. Well,
0: how difficult is it to write and keep
1: track of a shared universe like this?
2: It's really hard, and we (laughs) often have to have little exchanges between one another to say, okay, I know this character was mentioned in book number whatever. Where are they at right now? And that author will usually chime in and, and say something. About what that, what that character is doing, or they'll say, nope, you can't use that character because they died here and you forgot they died. So we, we kind of have a shared folder that we use, but we also have one person who just seems to be a mutant when it comes to keeping track of everything and, and all the characters, which has been a real, that's been really, really helpful. Um, the other thing that's interesting about it, have you gentlemen been in a small town or been around a small town for any period of time? Oh yeah. <laughs> Of course, right? We probably all have at some point in time. And you may talk to, you know, Joe Jones, who runs the hardware store, and have one impression of him, David. And yet Alan may talk to that same person and get a totally different impression. So that's one of the attributes that has also come into this series, because each author has a little bit point of view. It's like, it's like, Pointing to a neighbor and saying, "Oh, I think they're really nice," and and the other person says, "Well, I think they're not." Um, and but that happens. That's what happens in real life. So it makes it really fun.
1: But the uh, the one to your point, uh, Dave, is it challenging? Um, you get twelve overachieving authors <laughs> together on a on a conference call to talk about the uh, how this how what what the the series is doing and who's doing what and to whom and how many times. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, there's a, it takes two hours for, uh, for all, all of these overachievers to get the, their say so in on, on where they're taking stuff. So, but it's, uh, it's centered in, it's uh, focused in on a very comfortable pace. I guess is the best way I, I put it. Uh, we, we crank out one, one a month, uh, over the uh, period of, of a year. So, and the rocks indicate this is a book, this number, uh, season two, and we're already uh, scoping out season three. And uh, we've got our lineup uh, in position and as I indicated earlier um, we've already got uh, a story outline uh, in the back of minds ready to be able to uh, start working on that uh, that act- that, uh, that next story.
0: Well let's get some names and gossip and some bad writers from people that <laughs> come up with bad stories.
2: Oh you know we, we do have we do have some writers that, that are very very interested and they're all award-winning writers in their own right which makes it really fun to to listen to them but we we actually have one person who's a therapist, and so they bring that kind of quality into this murder mystery. And they're they're cozy mysteries, all of them to to one degree or another. But they do have a little twist on the genre, like a little paranormal or a little thriller. Like ours have a little thriller in them, uh, but they're still a co- considered a cozy mystery.
0: So cozy. So you're you're are you concerned about violence when you write it on a page, or or how you. Uh... Um display that sort of thing? Is that why you do cozies, or is there some other reason?
2: No, it's just that, that particular genre has a really good readership, Um and if you can tap into the fan base, it's phenomenal. And a lot of the horrible violence that goes along with murder, as you point out, the descriptions and the, the icky part of it, it's behind the door. You know, it's just, it's not in someone's face.
1: The, the crime isn't splashed all over the... Uh... The interior of the book—it's like, okay, who did it? How? uh, What? uh, What's the process of uh, of going doing the detective and sleuthing work? And uh, what is um, what's the net net of it uh, towards the end? Rather than focus on how much blood and gore uh, is going to be in it. So it's um, and it's uh, most of these these folks are cozy mystery writers. So it it was kind of a nice uh, nice privilege for them to invite us in. And then have them comment positively that they like the, uh, our contribution. So, um, most gratifying.
0: Yeah. And myself, I write true crime and, and in a lot of the books, I don't have a lot of the descriptions. I don't get into detail of a lot of the different murders or things that happened. That's just the way I choose it. But I think that's, it also allows a person's imagination. And I think that's important as well.
2: Could not agree
0: more. Agreed. So now, in the in this book so when you're putting it together do you guys ever think about a theme or a subtext or some sort of point that you want to get across to the readers or something at, by the end of the book or is it purely entertainment
2: in these books in this series for us I I consider it purely entertainment Charles might differ with me but I, I think it's much more entertainment in in our thriller series that we also write, there's a point. We're, we've got some hidden messages in there that we want to do without having a school classroom.
1: I'd say that was fair. I mean, they, they um, they're written for for entertainment. Um, the uh, you know, we just got finished with a blog tour where I, we put, pulled out a couple of uh, segments uh, and uh, let people kind of try before they buy it. Um, some of the uh, the entertaining value of the uh, of the book. Um, the the one in the killer enigma. The nine one one call. I got so many people. Just I love that that uh, that sequence. That was so, um, you know, to use an unusual word, very tasty and funny. So um, that's. I'd have to agree. Yeah, that's. It, it's written for the entertainment value. Um, and the um, how how would you solve this uh, particular crime? What's behind it? That's. And that's the entertainment value. So,
0: so let me guess: who writes the bad person, the evil person in the uh, in the book, the one that's doing the 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 wrong thing, so to speak? And I I would bet it would be rocks.
2: <laughs> oh wow!
0: <laughs> um, I honestly have to
2: say we both do. It depends on the character. One of the one yeah. of the worst characters that we've created, and it's not in this particular series, but one of the worst one. We had more comments about how much people disliked. This character, this character is so, it's a loathsome, loath, loathsome. I can't even say the word. It's just a yucky character. It's a bad character. It's evil. Why do you keep having her in here? She's just awful, awful, awful. And then she did something that was, I don't know, a bit redeeming. And you're like, oh, now we just love this character. All those trials she went through. and But that wasn't my character. That was his character.
1: Um, I'm kind of partial to the uh, evil <laughs> Fint <femme fatales. laughs> Um and whenever I get a chance, I'll uh, uh, if we're if we have a, a female uh, in, in, uh, podcaster or interviewer, uh, after we talk with them long enough, I'll I'll usually ask them for a resume uh, for the next uh, evil the uh, evil character they've got. and and, uh, and I do insist on references. So uh, gentlemen, we we have a couple of um, you know evil. Bales coming up, and uh, you look like you—you you could have some uh, potential. So I—I'd like to have resumes on you, and don't forget the, uh, the written uh, confirmations from uh, from people to say,
0: "Yeah, this is an evil oh, guy." The problem is they're all dead, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that might not come easy. The references—they can't write when they're dead. In general, but you can and everything's that. been expunged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: It's it's all buried. It's all in. It's down under.
0: Yeah, and that's a good word, buried. You know, but how do you get into the mindset um, of the person and follow through when they're doing bad things, if they're killing people or they're they're doing something that's really awful, for instance? And even in your thriller books, like when you're doing that, how do you kind of get into that character? Well, we've.
1: Uh... Not to put too fine a point on it, we've uh, been at several companies, worked in the uh, technical environment for um, co- co- more more decades than I'd like to be able to admit. Hmm. And the people that we meet, we get uh, you get snippets of uh, their the dark side. Um, a lot of it is just like, wow, I need to uh, I need to keep that uh, that piece of information available because I'm going to be able to use this. Uh, uh, when I, uh, I build the next uh, next bad guy. So a lot of it is um, field research, uh, if you will.
2: And I, uh, from my side, I'm, I'm an avid reader. I mean, I read lots of stuff, some good, some I wish I'd never read. Um, and so those experiences, along with just meeting people, um, comes into characters at different times. And so most of the evil characters are, are composites. And it does take time to to show their evil character attributes sometimes.
0: How how about some names?
2: <laughs> you want the real names or you want the fictitious? Yeah,
0: give guys? us the real oh. names and then we'll we'll call them and get them on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the w- ones that, ones that I know are still incarcerated, <laughs> gentlemen. Well, there
0: you go. They they can take a phone call. I visit criminals all the time. So
2: yeah in your in your in your stories you you do a lot of research
0: yeah it it kind of goes crazy sometimes and it can take a while because you can't always get into a prison right away. you have to go through a certain process depending on where you're going and, and then they have rules and then even if you get approved, you have to speak to the to the killer's liaison or a person that represents them and arrange the time and yeah, it's it's a it's quite a, a process to go through sometimes. That's why I always have a couple going at the same time personally.
1: Well, that's not like an awful lot of work. I think I just yeah. I'll just make it up,
0: <laughs> make up the stuff as I go. Yeah,
1: that's easier. Yeah, yeah and there there's certainly
0: yeah. plenty out there to to pick from uh, ideas. You know, it's I agree. endless drive through yeah. of killing. It ha- here we go. So now the book, um, the Killer Enigma. Tell us the basic premise of this book, so people kind of get an idea of what they're getting when they pick up the book.
2: so it's it's awesome. So the Killer Enigma. We actually bring back our two heroes to Magnolia Bluff. The two heroes are <clears throat> JJ, who's a technology geek, and Joe, his wife now, who happens to be a actually stunning. Model for a Brazilian um, dress fashion manufacturer, but she's being just badgered by the paparazzi. Anytime she's in Brazil, anytime she travels, um, they have to have a whole you know squadron of of bodyguards to make sure that she's not um, bothered. Uh, and so, and and they try to just they, he tries to take her out for a romantic dinner to kind of lead up to their first year's anniversary. And um, they are swarmed at dinner by the paparazzi. He thought everything was perfect. He thought it was going to be a quiet, you know, little wonderful thing. And it was just a debacle. And so she wants to go back to Magnolia Bluff because nobody in the small town bothered her. Nobody in the small town made her feel like she was anything but a human being who just wants to have a good time and be with the love of her life. And so they decide to go back there. And, um, you know, if if you look at the cover of the book, they decide to go back there, and they both really feel like there's a a, a kindred ship with Magnolia Bluff. And so, um, you know, they decide they're going to maybe invest in some property in the town and, and come back there on vacations or, you know, holidays and things like that because they still like the people, they like what's going on. And they pick a property that wow, who would
1: have thought has a, hist- has a, has a, has a history, and um, the, the the story continues to unfold until the history is exposed. They're trying to, to build that uh, that dream vacation, um, and all it turns into is a nightmare. Uh, and it's uh, it one ghastly finding after another. And of course, the police come in and say, JJ. What is it about you? I mean, I mean, every time you come to town, uh, you, all you all you do is discover trouble. Is it, what, you, what is it like in your day job? So it it's a uh, you know we have those uh, those those moments with the uh, uh, with them uh, trying to navigate a uh, a new place to be able to call home uh, where they're hidden from the uh, uh, from the people that are that are hounding them, and they get to hang out with with people that, like who don't know where they're from or how famous they are, and of course he can't be famous because his job is uh, uh, in, in the techno-thriller world of uh, undercover work and uh, ferreting out the bad guys so he can't be uh, a uh, uh, unknown figure. So that's why they want to be able to do this.
0: And, and Magnolia Bluff, um, the location, the setting, it, it's obviously very important. So. Where do you draw that from like where where is it based on a certain town or certain or a combination and uh, maybe maybe give us the setting basics.
2: So Alan, have you ever been to Texas?
0: Um, just Dallas
2: Just Dallas okay so you've been to the big city yeah in, tex- in Texas. But Texas is made up primarily of a lot of very small towns. I mean, there's actually a, a town in Texas that's called Cut and Shoot, just to give you an example, okay? It has two stop signs. Um, but the Texas Hill Country is um, is outside of Austin, which is the capital of Texas, and it truly is nestled in some rolling hills. Now, I know that you're going to find this amusing, but, you know, the, the general level of Dallas is – a um, hundred feet above sea level. So hills might be a little different. It's a perspective kind of thing that you have to think about. But the hill country is gaining in popularity for wine and everything else, but there are small towns. You can drive windy roads for, you know, 40 miles between towns and pop into this little town. They have a, you know, they might have a courthouse. They might have a post office, which makes them big time. Um, and, and they might have a stoplight or two, which is another big signal of, you know, a big town. Um, but but they're quiet, but they're also, they were founded by people. They know everybody. People don't move from the small towns in Texas very often. They kind of stick around there for generations. So so it it's pulled from the hill country because it's a beautiful place to go. Um, it's... It, Kind of mirrors a couple of different small towns that are in that area because of their location near near a reservoir. And uh, you may not know it, listeners may not know it either. But there, there's only one true lake in the state of Texas. Everything else has been created and is a reservoir of sorts. So so we this happens to be next to a reservoir. So it's it's a very pretty kind of kind of area. Uh, and when you're in a small town. You don't think there's anything else going on outside of your small town. you kind of like everybody knows everybody.
0: Yeah, this is an interesting kind of idea. So you have to really kind of make sure your characters fit that as well, because that's got to be a certain type of personality that is there in that kind of town or stays in that kind of town or goes to it.
2: Charles, I think you'd agree with me. that We have a variety of personalities. There are some that are, you know, characters... That are characters and then characters that are very mousy and, um, they all have a role and they're all gossips. <laughs> gossip, gossip is a big deal in Texas.
1: It's a big industry in, in most small towns. Yes.
0: That's right. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, guys. So now do people find, where do people find you? Do you guys do social media? Do you guys do, do you have a website? Do you have a location that you like, uh, readers or fans to go to, to find out? what's coming out next and what you're doing
1: our mailing list is uh, uh very important for finding out what we're doing um, uh our uh, our website is uh um, enigmabookseries.com and you'll find all of the uh, uh the links uh, to the uh, e-books to the the paperbacks and uh, even to the uh, audibles. we uh, we we're big believers in uh, all media for for all kinds of different uh, uh Reader tastes, and so it's uh, the the audibles were something that we added in, and uh, we have those links out there as well. Um, if you order the hard copy from us, or you can order from Amazon, or you can get them from uh, uh, your favorite bookstore, Barnes and Noble. I mean, any of those places uh, uh, were in the distribution channels to be able to get uh, uh, handled through the uh, uh, the uh, the store of your choice.
2: And then we also have Twitter. We have Goodreads. We have BookBub. Um, and all of those links are available from that website. Um, either Enigma series or the Enigma series will will track on most of it as well. Most of those social media channels.
0: Are you running on TikTok yet?
2: You know we did TikTok <laughs> and took it down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't like TikTok, eh? Too too much.
2: It, TikTok just wasn't wasn't no.
0: Yeah. No, I know. It gives me a headache sometimes, too, but now I'm stuck with it. So here we go. Well, we appreciate you being on the show. Uh, your latest book, The Killer Enigma, and it's a Magnolia Bluff Crime Chronicle, book 16. So the authors are our guests, Charles Brakefield and Rox Burkey. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Al. Much appreciated. And Dave, thanks for the uh, for spirited discussion,
1: gentlemen.
2: Thank you, guys. Have a great day.